Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the table. Here we are, the 1st of June. Can you believe that? Seems like 2022 began just a few weeks ago. I don't know how the first five months of your year have been, but mine has been full of questions. I mean, it seems like every other week for the past year, I'm given deep questions to to ponder. Here's just a few of them. I'll pass them on to you. In light of all that has transpired since 2020, what does your heart and soul need right now? What are you doing every day to fill your tank? When were you most alive, most present, most filled and fulfilled today? What builds a fire in your heart? And if you sense you don't have a fire right now, what has contributed to the extinguishing of that fire? What's your prevailing spirit? All of those are good questions. One of my joys in having podcast guests, and we've got some great guests coming to the table in the months ahead, I promise, but I try to give a lot of thought to the questions I ask. And I love it when I ask a guest a question and they respond, that's a good question. May I encourage you, never stop asking questions. I've heard Mark Batterson, one of my favorite communicators, share this statistic many times. He says, on average, children ask 125 questions a day. Adults ask six. So somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we lost 119 questions a day. May I encourage you, get them back. In the Bible, there are four books that focus on the history, the story, the teachings, and life of Jesus. They are known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the Gospels, Jesus asks more questions than he answers. He asked 307 questions. He has asked 183 questions, of which he only answers three. Asking questions was central to Jesus' life and teachings. And Jesus got that characteristic from God, his heavenly Father our Heavenly Father. All through Scripture, God asks a lot of questions. But God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He already knows the answers to every question He asks. So why does He ask so many? Well, He does so for our benefit. Today, I want us to look at God's first question. It's found in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And a lot of history is covered in the first two chapters of Genesis, a lot of history that is at the core of almost every major philosophical divide in our culture today. I plan to address that in the coming episode. But for now, here's a quick synopsis of Genesis 1 and 2. One, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. 
Those are God's days, not necessarily ours. Number two, God created man and woman, male and female, Adam and Eve. Three, he created us for relationship with himself and with one another. Four, he gave Adam and Eve a perfect place to live, the Garden of Eden. Five, he gave them everything, and not only everything, but an abundance of everything. I think sometimes we perhaps envision the Garden of Eden as small and enclosed, like a botanical garden or something like that. But the garden was much bigger than that. Think National Park big, California big, Texas big, Alaska big, continent big. And God was there with them, always in close proximity. God gave them all this grandeur, all this space, all this variety, flora, fauna, sky, canyons, mountains, rivers, forests, oceans. And in all this freedom, God said, there's only one tree you must leave alone, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Millions of endless possibilities, just leave this one thing alone. And I imagine they did for the longest time. Again, I think sometimes because we can read the first three chapters of Genesis in less than 15 minutes, we think Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit in record time. But I don't think so. But when Adam and Eve did disobey God, God came along towards the end of the day, and he asked them his first recorded question. One of the best singer-songwriters from the 1970s is Don Francisco. Don wrote and recorded a song back then, and he has graciously granted us permission to share this song for this episode. And so I'm going to let Don's song introduce God's first question. Here we go. Unashamed and naked in a garden that has never seen the rain. Rulers of a kingdom full of joy, never marred by any pain. The morning all around them seems to celebrate the life they've just begun. In the majesty of innocence, the king and queen come walking in the sun. But the master of deception now begins with his dissection of the word. And with all his craft and subtlety, the serpent twists the simple truth they've heard. While hanging in the balance is a world that has been placed at their command And all their unborn children die as both of them bow down to Satan's hand Then just before the evening, in the cool of the day They hear the voice of God as he is walking 
But they can't abide his presence now So they try to hide away But still they hear the sound as he is calling Adam Adam Where are you? Adam Adam Where are you? Adam Adam Where are you? Genesis 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed the leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Now, God knew where they were. God knew what had happened. Nevertheless, he asked the question so that they would know where they were, so they would know where they were in relation to him. Several weeks ago, I had dinner at one of my favorite restaurants in Alabama, Oscar's Cafe at Lake Martin, just south of Dadeville. They have the best fried shrimp in all of Alabama, with the exception of all the great fried shrimp you can get down on the Gulf Coast. I was seated at a table at Oscars, and I noticed on the wall a sign that I had not seen before. It said this. It said, Oscars Cafe, 32.747150 degrees north, 85.786010 degrees west. Latitude and longitude. In a day and age where we all have GPS on our phones, which can tell us in an instant where we are on the map, I prefer latitude and longitude. There's something almost mystical about pinpointing where you are in relation to the equator, which stretches east and west, latitude, and in relationship to the prime meridian, which spans north and south, longitude. Two of my favorite t-shirts, one from the Grand Canyon, the other from Glacier National Park, pinpoint their location using latitude and longitude. And to make a cool shirt even cooler, both of those t-shirts have a topographical thumbprint on the back of the shirt, which is another one of my favorite ways to figure out where I am whenever I'm out hiking or backpacking. To discern latitude and longitude, to pinpoint your precise location on a topographical map requires a little more thought 
than glancing at a phone's GPS. And I know we've all experienced those moments with our phones when where it said we are was not where we were at at all. Here's what I've discovered. God's first question is a great question to ask yourself every day. Where are you? Where are you, Robert? Because if you're like me, where you think you are in proximity to God may not be where you are at at all. I mean, we can get separated from ourselves. Your physical body may be in one place, but your mind is elsewhere. You may think you're walking around freely, but you're covered up by a jungle of fig leaves. Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said, Of all deceivers, fear most yourself, which goes right along with what the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. On its own, who can understand it? So permit God to ask that question of you. Where are you? And ask that question. Let him ask that question often. Ask it often of yourself. Where am I? in proximity to God. Invite God to do as the psalmist does in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because failure to do so can result in some painful consequences in our lives today. It's just so necessary. Where are we in relationship to God? Let's listen to the second verse of Don's song. In the stifling heat of summer now, the gardener and his wife are in the field. And it seems that thorns and thistles are the only crops their struggles ever yield. sorrow till he sinks into the dust whence he came but all down through the ages he can hear his maker calling out his name Adam Adam where are you Adam Adam, where are you? Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience. They broke relationship with God. Death entered the world as a result. The Garden of Eden was closed by their choice, not God's. And even as God speaks to Adam and Eve about the consequences, He makes provision for them. Even as God is spelling out the consequences of their willful disobedience, He is also revealing His rescue plan to restore them, to restore us all to a right relationship with Himself. God is setting up His own coordinates, His own latitude and longitude to bring us back to right relationship with Himself. That latitude and longitude would cross at the cross of Jesus, where he died for all our sins 2,000 years ago. If you've never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for yourself, 
Find a Bible right now online and read all that God provided through Jesus to bring us back to himself. You might be listening and you might believe that this whole Genesis story, this is all a fairy tale. You might believe God doesn't exist, that Satan doesn't exist. And I wish with all my heart I could believe for you, that I can make you believe that it's true. But you have to believe God yourself. God never stops loving us, and Satan never stops lying to us. If we don't believe both exist, one of the devil's lies has worked. Here's the third and final verse of Don's song as he originally wrote it. And I'll be back in a moment to share what Don told me about how he would rewrite this verse if he was writing this song today. Though the curse has long been broken, Adam's sons are still the prisoners of their fears. Rushing helter-skelter to destruction with their fingers in their ears. While the Father's voice is calling with an urgency I've never heard before. Won't you come in from the darkness now before it's time to finally close the door? When Don wrote me back to grant permission to use his song today, and again, I want to say a word of appreciation to him for doing that. He wrote this. He said, this is one of the few songs he wishes he could change. And I just direct quote from him here. He said, the last verse infers that God will finally and eternally reject some people. And you wouldn't want to be in that crowd. After nearly 50 years in ministry, I've grown to realize how wrong and harmful that doctrine is. Yes, there's sowing and reaping, but God is love, ultimately and finally. When every knee bows and every tongue confesses Jesus as Lord, it will not be under duress or threat of punishment. It will be in wonder and jubilation when we realize the hugeness of what he has done for us all. He says, if I were to re-record this song now, the last verse would be like this. And though the curse has long been broken, Adam's sons are still the prisoners of their fears, rushing helter-skelter into misery with their fingers in their ears, while the Father's voice is calling with a clarity I've never heard before. Won't you come in from the darkness? There's a banquet waiting here inside my door. I'm not totally where Don is in theological perspective. There's one sentence I question. It's where we differ. 
I love and respect him nonetheless. He's my brother because of Jesus. And I believe on that day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses Jesus is Lord, there will be surprises for us all. I've said so many times through the years, it should not take fear to accomplish what love more than adequately should. But the beauty is God takes us where we are, and if we surrender to him, he leads us to where we need to be. I want you to hear God's first question again. Where are you today in relationship, in proximity to him? When you go back to Genesis 3, in that pivotal moment of God confronting Adam and Eve with this question, there's a marvelous verse exposing for the first time the level of intimacy with God Adam and Eve had just forfeited by choosing their own path. I love this verse because it is thick and heavy with beauty and grace, like a breath of pure oxygen. After they had eaten the fruit, after they had covered themselves up and went into hiding from God, along comes Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Even the cadence of those words in the English language is like falling into a cascade of of joy. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This was not a one-time occurrence. This was every day for them. Every day they had the opportunity to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. And here's some incredible good news. Because of Jesus because of the latitude and longitude of the cross. Guess what? We have this opportunity to do so now. Abundant life can begin now. We don't have to wait for that day when every knee bows and every tongue confesses. We can bow our knees and confess now Jesus is Lord. When God asks, where are you? This is where you want to be. He's made a way for us to be there through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So there's God's first question. Keep asking it of yourself. While the Father's voice is calling with a clarity I've never heard before, won't you come in from the darkness? There's a banquet waiting here inside my door. That's Don's revised third verse. And that banquet waiting there inside his door, well, that right there, my friends, is redemption's table. Until next time, blessings on you, your family, your summer. Keep asking that question.